0: That great song was by Adrian Warren, who was singing Before the Parade Passes By. It's from Hello Dolly. And if there's a special event staged in Melbourne, such as a grand final football team parade through the city, or something similar for the Australian Formula One Grand Prix, or our Melbourne Cup horse race, chances are one man is behind them all, Peter Jones who's been staging events of all types for the past 32 years. He's created special events wherever he's asked, but he regards Melbourne as the major events capital, not only of Australia, but of the world. That's a big call. Mm. In our long-form interview tonight, Graham Kemlo spoke to Peter Jones about Melbourne's reliance on major events and its return from pandemic times, when it was one of the world's most locked down cities.
1: Petey, welcome back to Travel Writers Radio. You do seem to love Melbourne. I know you do you've done all sorts of events, all sorts of shapes and sizes in other cities. What is it about Melbourne?
2: Um, uh, Graham, well, firstly, I'm a Melbourne boy, so I've grown up here and I've watched it you know develop over the years. And I suppose probably eighty percent of the work that we do would be Melbourne-based. It's when you get to work with clients like the AFL you know, Victoria Racing Club on the Melbourne Cup Carnival, the Grand Prix, all those major events are in Melbourne. And I think part of the success of, 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 of a company like ours over the last, you know, 30 years has been the growth of Melbourne's event economy and everyone that's grown with it. And that's why, whilst I love visiting other places and working there, Melbourne will always be the home, and I believe, the event capital, not of Australia, but of the world.
1: Wow, that's a pretty big call. But you've been in the job a fair while, Peter. I won't ask you. I'm a senior too, but I won't ask you quite how long. Uh, a, a while, one. But the good thing is, I was five when I started. Right. Um. So, uh, uh,
2: this year is thirty. Yeah, thirty-two years. So um, that only makes me thirty-seven. But when you look at me, it just proves how much you can hours, age. Feet in the in the event industry how quickly it ages you Graham? <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely peter pan they
2: say of you peter pan i oh, know but no, it's been great and and uh, and it's you know as I said it's great to see all these events bouncing back not just major events but business events cultural events, festivals, all those sorts of things are back, um, you know, back and booming, which is great for everybody.
1: Yeah. Now, we've got to congratulate you. You've been appointed to the board of the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. That's a big call. Yes, I have. It's great. So I'm actually, uh, it's a trust, to be technically correct. Oh, right. So, um, yeah.
2: That's quite all right. So it's um, obviously MCEC Trust is then, um, um, you know, a government responsible to the Victorian government through DJPR for the oversight management and running of the Melbourne Convention Exhibition Centre. So it was a great honour. Um, Both Virginia Lovett and I were appointed in October last year and uh, chaired by John Brumby, and there's a very um, diverse and talented group of trustees who um, oversee the, the planning and the strategy and work with the MCEC team on how to, you know, how to drive business, how to make the venue more sustainable, more practical, appeal to different people there. So I'm enjoying it immensely because, as you know, it is an iconic venue in Melbourne um, that everyone uses and it's great to see it from another side, so to speak.
1: It's actually not a venue you normally use,
2: is it? No, it's not. I mean, for us, because we we don't run exhibitions and we don't run conferences, but um, we run a lot of gala events, there, so dinners, cocktail parties, product launches, sorts of things. So, I would only be there, I think, maybe twice a year. So, it's not like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a regular down there. Right. But, um, my claim to fame, actually, if you can remember those that are old enough, when the when the, it was the World Congress Center on the other side of the Yarra when it opened. Yeah, I remember. Um, uh, back at your old enough, Graham, to remember, as am I, when, uh, when Lee Harry was first CEO there, mm. I actually did the opening event there all those years ago and help put it on. So it's kind of really nice in a way to be able to work in, at that venue over such a long period of time, see it grow, watch it develop um, from a structural point of view and the range of events it undertakes. Mm. But now to be able to look at it from a different perspective, um, from a trust, and, you know, how to develop it, ideas. Um, there's one good thing about the, the MCEC and the trust in particular is, we're aware of the changing nature of the the market and the industry and a lot of what we're doing now is geared for the future to make sure MCEC is more than just a a, a venue with four walls and a roof. It is a destination for events of all shapes and sizes.
1: So how would you describe Melbourne's situation now? I did speak to you in the middle of the pandemic. Things were not great and you admitted yourself it was uh, tough. I think you'd had to lay a few people off and as had... Some of your other colleagues in the industry, um, you know, people who do all sorts of things to make your events work. Uh, how yep. would you say, how would you describe Melbourne now? Uh, it, it certainly bounced back.
2: I mean, you can just judge that on the not just business events but events in, in general. Um, I mean, you just got to look at the Grand Prix this year as a classic example. It sold out in literally a day. Yeah. The tennis, again, was back to its its, its outstanding best. Um, Melbourne Cup was probably about 70% right this year, and that will grow. But what we're seeing, um, Graham, coming back is those events have, have all come back. People are now going back to attend them, Um, it is a little bit different. They've all been structured a little bit differently um, to cope with the, and it's just not an automatic go back. Um, These events have had to refocus, relook at themselves and what they're providing and the offerings that they've got. But generally speaking, people are back in attendances, theatre in particular, Um, the arts, uh, galleries, museums, all of those that are back, business events are back, um, you know, Melbourne's hosting Rotary this year in May, which will be the largest event that we've ever hosted from a business event perspective. So it's, it's a competitive world out there, but Melbourne's doing very well. And what it's proven, particularly since COVID, is the value of our event industry down here. I don't think a lot of people really probably in some way took it for granted. Oh, yeah, Melbourne's got this conference or this Grand Prix or whatever it may be. When you take it away, they go, oh, my God, Melbourne is not the same without those events. So I think that's been one good thing to come out of COVID. We've now really appreciated the value of the events industry in general to not only Melbourne but to Victoria.
1: Mm, that's uh, an interesting point you make, Peter. Uh, you're going to be um, producing the, uh, well, I guess it'll be the highlight event of AIM, which is the event for the meetings and events industry held here uh this month at Melbourne Convention Centre. You're doing a big gig at Marble Stadium. Can you tell us about that?
2: Uh, no, I'd, I'd have to shoot you, Graham, if I would get, gave away all the um, all the secrets. But let's just say what we're trying – it's the 30th anniversary of AIM. So we haven't done a welcome function for about five or six years, um, and it's gone in various disguises since then. It's great. And, but we've had an opportunity both with AIM and the Bureau – because we've, we've said, what are we going to do for the 30th? We need to do something that is unique, that's something that you can't do every day um, and something that ticks all the boxes for a bit of an extravaganza, a bit of a wow factor. So that's what we've got planned for that Monday night at Marvel. Um, and it's going to be something that people will go, wow, I was there. And we've got a, 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 you know, a special little thing that's going to happen on the night that people will be able to say, I was there the night that happened. To be yep. celebrate, aim, and the business events world which we're living down here. So, I'm very much looking forward to it. Don't worry, I've got we've got a, a roof over marble if it gets if too may. wet, but we're, we're okay. So, we've got the indoor outdoor sorted. But a lot of people and a lot of suppliers are putting a lot of effort into it to make sure this is a truly
1: memorable event. That sounds fabulous already, Peter. Uh, and you would be the uh, the guru of doing things at a, on a large scale. Of course, you know if you've got an an audience in a theatre, that's one thing. But if you're in an arena, that's a whole different perspective you've got to bring to it, isn't it? Yeah, true, game. So what we're trying to do is use the space in a different way
2: um, for those that, that, that you know, would go there for a normal sporting event. Yeah. So as I said to you, we've got a few surprises up our sleeve, but we really want people... And, and this is the showcase for Melbourne too. So the reason why we look at venues like this is because these are venues that, that people can hire and use on a regular basis for any form of business event, whatever it may be, um, and we're not putting something up that's totally unusable and unachievable. That's, that would defeat the purpose. So the Bureau and, you know, even the MCEC and everybody involved wants to promote Melbourne its new venues and what's happening in a way that showcases what great offerings we have as a city
1: Peter um, what's the largest event you've ever staged
2: uh, I suppose the largest if you're talking on a regular basis is AFL Grand Final Day, which has obviously you know one hundred thousand people at the MCG. Mm. Um, so that would be the largest regular. I mean, that's quite a little bit different because we event manage that on behalf of the AFL and Frontier Touring who do it. So that's on an ongoing basis from there. Yeah. Um, the largest, the largest dinner I've ever done is three and a half thousand sit down. Right. Where was uh, they- well, it was actually on the MCG for the AFL of fair way back many many years ago. Okay. Um, but you know, usually, Graham, those those size events. Provide their own challenges, particularly if they're if they're seated ones, to be able to do so. Um, you know, we say nothing's too small. We did an event last year for four people.
1: I was going to ask how, you know, what what sort of intimate event would you yeah. put on? Yeah, four, and that that was amazing too. But it had to; it was a special
2: presentation that had to take place that needed some help from there. But right. um, you know, it, the variety that's there and all the, all sorts of things that we're able to do—that's the great thing about down here. There's, We know sorts of places you go, I don't believe you could actually do that. So I'm always believed in going, anyone can do a dinner in a a hotel ballroom, no disrespect to that, but we're always trying to do something that's a little bit different and will really engage the audience in a different way than what you would normally expect.
1: Hmm. Peter, are there any little Joneses running around who might uh, take on the business? (laughs) Funny you should mention that. My daughter
2: has just graduated from school last year. And her preferred course this year, she starts at RMIT in about three weeks. Right. She is doing Graham Professional Communication. Oh, well, I, um, I know which... a little bit about that. You do indeed, Graham. So um, she's—it's a course that tackles advertising, PR, and marketing in different streams, and then allows you to go on and select one that you know that you like from there. So we're certainly not pushing the event role. She says, "Oh, Dad, I don't want to. You're boring. I want to do some other things." So (laughs) um, she's going to go to that. So we'll see where that goes. But she will go and do that. So I'm not worried about the event side as long as she's happy. But um, put it this way she's a very good talker. She cons me out of money every week, and she has for the last 10 years. So I reckon she'll do well in professional communications.
1: And of course, she has a very, very talented and capable mother who certainly does. Yeah, and I'm that's you know like any
2: family. I'm um, mum's bad cop and I'm good cop. So she comes to good cop because right. good cop will fall over in about thirty seconds and say, "All right, I'll pay for that." Um, here you go. So we have that relationship, which is all great. Yeah. But looking forward to you know someone young there starting you know the starts in her career and what what she wants to do professionally too.
1: Now you sort of hinted to me last time I spoke to you that you'd sort of changed the name of the company slightly to peterize it. Are you thinking of, of moving on to do other things, Peter, or where are you? Yeah,
2: I head? am at the moment, Graham. So um, Peter Jones Special Events will officially disappear at some stage this year, be replaced by PJSE Consulting. Right. So what I'm what I'm doing now is um, I've started a consulting arm of the business. So my my role there is basically to work with companies, organisations, particularly government, um, who are interested in creating a. An event strategy that may drive visitation, tourism, um, and visitors to a particular venue or region, helping them put that together, cost it, and then say, "Okay, here are all the things you can do. This is what it would cost, but not actually running it."
1: Right. So, you're um, and then handing that operational. Are you? Correct.
2: So that's it. So that will be a new arm of the business I'm going to start. And I'm already working with a couple of organisations now on helping them do that. That said, listen, we we need to go and, and get lots. Of, you know, we want to attract more people to a particular region, um, and they just think, well, putting on events going to do that. Well, that's not going to necessarily have a long term benefit there. Hmm. So it's working with that and saying, okay, if you want to do this, this is going to cost you X amount. Are you prepared to invest in that? But here is the return and what you'd have to do. So all the years of experience of running these events and working with, you know, the Visit Vicks of the world and the MCBs and those sort of people, you get an insight into the strategy of events, not just a matter of just putting the event on for the sake of the event.
1: That actually sounds highly relevant, Peter, given that we've got Geelong sort of hubbing the Commonwealth Games uh, and a lot of regional Victoria involved. You know, do those guys need help?
2: Yeah, they do. I mean, it's a it's a great move to do that um, in, in theoretically, um, but there's a whole lot of practical and logistical issues. Um, and whilst you know Bendigo will get events, um, Geelong will get events, Gippsland will get events, up from there. That doesn't mean that other major regional centres in Victoria have to miss out. So I know they're looking at ways to be able to do that. So again, I'm working with one in particular to say just because you don't have a venue as such for that doesn't mean you can't capitalise on people coming to visit. For example, there is no way everyone can go to Bendigo and watch a certain event and find enough accommodation there. Every regional centre has that issue. And it's not just about Bendigo. So where else can you go up there that can perhaps part of a program that will let you experience the com games and the other areas, with and going to other places rather than just there. So again, events can play a major role in drawing those people up there for more than just particularly one day.
1: That sounds uh, sounds fabulous, Peter. I, I think um, you, you've obviously got plenty of years left in you. I, I can't see you giving up the ghost any minute yet. Well, Graham, the problem with that is if you if you if you did, I don't know what i do. I mean, my golf's
2: all right, but I can't play golf every day. My wife would, would um, freak out at the thought of me actually being home a little bit more often. <laughs> so I think I've got to be able to combine all this, doing it for this. So I certainly don't plan to go and go back and run 40 events a year, but I'd rather do a smaller number of really good ones, but concentrate in some different areas. So that's certainly my, my strategy moving forward.
1: Well, Peter Jones, thank you so much, as always, for your time and for your insight. My pleasure, Graham, and lovely to talk to
0: you. That was Peter Jones, special events producer, in conversation about his hometown, Melbourne.
1: This is the Travel Writer Show on Air 88FM in Melbourne.